Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Good morning, folks. We've got a great show lined up for you today. In the 12 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Guy Williams, president of Gulf Coast Bank and Trust. We'll talk about small businesses that are not ready for FinCEN beneficial ownership rules. We'll explain what that means. The Louisiana connection to deep fake pornography, mailbox theft, criminal sentence, um, in that case, and that's a good thing. And the market's reaction is slow inflation. In the 11 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Rafael Goyaneci, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll talk about the mayor's trip to Dubai, um, and as well as the 2022 versus 2023 comparison of felony arrest and weapons arrest numbers by month, as well as the proposed NOPD drone program. Gassan Corbin joins us in the back half of this hour, director of Sewage and Water Board. As you know, heavy rains hit the New Orleans area Saturday morning. Some pumps failed, causing flooding in several New Orleans neighborhoods. And we'll talk to Gassan to find out what happened with pumps number three and four. Joining us now on the line, Liz Mural, Louisiana Attorney General-elect joins. Liz, welcome to the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me. First, let me say, because we've not talked since the election, congratulations uh, on your uh, election. Uh, great job. Well, thank you, Noel. I appreciate that very much. So you hit the ground running. I know the governor in his transition uh, process named a committee relative to New Orleans. Obviously, uh, you've been part of that um, thought process Uh Recently, it was announced at the Superdome, a prosecution agreement with D.A. Jason Williams. Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we're both making good on a promise to make addressing crime in New Orleans a priority. And, you know, crime is up in some other areas of our state as well. But New Orleans is very much a tourist destination. And we need, uh, I think, you know, everyone in our state and the people of New Orleans and the nation to see that we can get this under control. And so that's our first priority. And this is our first step in addressing it. I think a number of folks don't realize I do. Someone asked me about it. Part of the frustration when agencies come into other jurisdictions is the coordination with a number of local agencies that they typically uh, aren't involved in. Do you think this will help streamline this proce- uh, process as it relates to prosecution and put a heightened priority on the arrest made by the Louisiana State Police? You, you know, I think that uh, we need boots on the ground, and that's what the state police presence will provide. In, in terms of prosecuting crime, we've got to move cases. And, you know, we know that there are a number of pieces uh, to that problem. Some of it is a COVID backlog. Some of it is, a, is, is glue in the court system that I think needs to be addressed. And I'm, I'm going to find out pretty quickly, you know, which parts of that problem I face. And I've had discussions with Jason 
about, you know, the challenges that he faces in prosecuting crime in New Orleans. And, uh, you know, I expect that if we encounter those problems, then I intend to address them as aggressively as I can, because it's not acceptable to me to just blame the system and say, well, you know, we've got people setting low bail or we can't get a case scheduled or this or that, whatever it is, we need to fix it. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, Liz, if you don't mind. I have said on this show many, many times that when we are human capital challenged, you know, as you just said, boots on the ground matter. When you don't have that, you it really highlights that the everybody in the criminal justice system has to be clicking on all cylinders in order to make up for the lack of that human capital, the lack of arrest, the lack of response time, so that when you do make arrest, an arrest, a meaningful arrest, that you have a meaningful outcome. Well, and I think that, you know, I have long criticized the consent decree uh, that restricts the ability of the New Orleans Police Department to recruit. And that decree has over 700 subsections in it. It's never been narrowed, not a single bit. And that is contrary to both federal law and good public policy. We should be working toward narrowing the constraints on the police department and recognizing the progress that they've made. Uh, But we haven't seen that happen, and I think that continues to hamstring hiring and recruiting. You can go to work nearby in a different parish and not have to face the same restrictions that you face working for the New Orleans Police Department. Is this uh, relationship with D.A. Jason Williams and this collaborative effort, is this indicative of uh, the governor's desire to create a new troop in in New Orleans, maybe in the French Quarter? Have there been conversations about that? Well, I mean, I think there have been, the state police have been operational in New Orleans in the past. Uh, I think the governor plans to bring them back and put them in, strategically place the state police where they need to be. I'm sure they will be on the highways. Um, I'm not sure exactly where else he wants to put them. That's not my part of uh, of this arrangement. But, you know, it is what what is part of my role is to prosecute the cases that are being made by the state police when they make arrests. And I think that is intended to both take some of the weight off of Jason Williams um, so that he can continue to prosecute the crimes that are made by the police department uh, and and enforce those crimes and move through the backlog that he already faces without overloading him with even more cases. But we also have to address the court system so we can get these cases to move through the system. Yeah, no doubt about that for sure. Uh, At the same time, um, you guys announced the hiring of a law firm uh, to review um, the state police, uh, more specifically, a case that's being looked at by the Department of Justice relative to a pattern or practice inquiry of the Louisiana State Police. Uh, what is the purpose and the scope of that engagement? You know, I think that we believe that the best way to figure out what's going on is to do a top-to-bottom review, um, have some arm's length, which which my agency will provide. Um, we're working with a professional who is uh, a lawyer out of Wil- from Wilmer Hale, 
Ed O'Callahan, who has lengthy experience working with cities who are facing federal Department of Justice investigations. Um, this is going to be a this is not going to be a fast process, but it is going to be a thorough process. And I think that the you know we would like to to get some recognition of the changes that have been implemented at state police over the last four years, um, and take a good hard look at what. Uh, the DOJ actually wants to focus on. I, I do not believe in consent decrees. I think they pervert the proper functioning of our system. And I believe that we ought to be able to make the changes that are necessary and get credit for the improvements and changes that we've already made and not be forced into some kind of federal consent decree. And, but there's a process, and we're going to participate in good faith in that process alongside DOJ, federal DOJ, while we examine what's, what the, the you know, long-term patterns and practices and policies are at LSP. Would it be safe to say that there's a fear of a potential request for a consent decree as a, as a result of this federal pat, pattern and practice investigation? And in a number of cases, that uh, tends to be the, um, the outgrowth of these types of investigations. Well, every time the Department of Justice has come in, they have pressed for some kind of continuing, not just at LSP. I mean, I don't know what they've asked for at LSP, frankly, because I haven't been part of it up until now. But I have been part of it at the Department of Corrections and in some other um, forums. And it is virtually always the approach of the federal government department of justice that they come in and they want us to agree to some kind of long-term oversight by a federal judge. And I believe that is a mistake. Yeah. Um, Are you guys familiar with collaborative reformation? It was done with the Las Vegas police department. I've had a number of uh, chiefs over my years uh, ask my advice about consent decrees. And I said, I think the collaborative reformation path is a much better path where you're not really under the auspices of a federal judge. It's more of the federal government and the agency being looked upon working together uh, to get through right. basically the same issues. It's <laughs> just right. not being I mean, summoned that's a more court every process, day. Right. I mean, yeah. you, if you look at the Orleans one as an example, New Orleans has spent oh, I don't know, almost $15 million now since the original decree was signed and not a single single provision in it has the the city hasn't been relieved of a single provision now i I do not believe that the city has failed to comply with every single provision in that decree there ought to be some ways to narrow it and that's the path that it should have been on always toward moving responsibility and accountability back to the political actors where it typically lies but these these consent decrees get bureaucratized, and there are people making a lot of money off of them. And the court monitor has made almost fifteen million dollars off of that one alone. And so, I that's why I say I think it's a mistake. I think a collaborative process to get meaningful improvements in the agency is a productive process. Yeah, it it almost is. It's though they they look upon these as though these offices are devoid of of of, of uh, political elections. You have different mindsets that come in, leadership changes. I mean, they, 
the, the city's been in theirs, what, in excess of 10 years, if not 15 years uh, now. You probably had two, maybe three leaders uh, under this consent decree having a complete and total different viewpoint ideology on a whole number of issues uh, that impact uh, hiring, hiring practices, um, you know, what you're looking for in a candidate or otherwise. It's really hard to come out from under something like this because you, the, the organization is, is dynamic. It's not static. <laughs> it's changing and every it's day, not right? To be. I mean, that's right. what political change is intended, you know, to provide as change. And, and, and the voters are voting for a change in leadership for policies that someone has campaigned upon. And, but when you are stuck in a consent decree, you lose all of that. It is now being driven entirely by a federal judge and a federal court monitor and a bureaucracy that builds up around that. And that's what I think is problematic with these decrees. You know, they, they should be, and I think under federal law, they are intended to be temporary so that political accountability is placed back in the hands of the elected people. And the voters, right? And the, Yeah, the voters. So, Liz, I know that this was kind of New Orleans' focus uh, as it relates to your office. Um, I know that, you, you know, you come from the inside. I had a very similar experience. It's not that uh, the way that I wanted to do it was better. It was just different from my predecessor. Is that kind of your same approach? Yeah, you know, we have I've been with Jeff for eight years, and he's made some important policy changes in our office that I think have really dramatically improved the way the Department of Justice, um, the State Department of Justice operates, I'd like to take us to the next level. Um, you know, my background, I taught at the law school. I have um, mentored a lot of young lawyers. I certainly have a lot of practice experience myself all the way up through the United States Supreme Court. Um, so I expect to set a tone of, of professionalism and um, high expectations for our whole agency and I'm looking forward to kind of getting in and seeing how I can put my stamp on the office. Obviously, uh, a lot of what y'all are taking on, you and I had this discussion before while you were a candidate for the office of the law enforcement side of the office not being um, large by any stretch of the imagination. Is that something that you think is going to have to grow in under your administration? Well, I do think it's going to have to grow. I think it needs to grow to be able to provide the support to the district attorneys that I've, I've heard them asking for. Um, that's a collaborative relationship as well. Um, I don't work in, in uh, I am working with the DAs, not in conflict or in competition with the DAs. Right. You know, we take their recusals for the most part, and sometimes we just we assist them upon their request. And I've built a practice of doing a lot of work on the appellate side with the DAs where I think we can provide a lot of value to all the DAs and the state through our office. Um, but I do think that that is going to have to grow. It certainly is going to have to grow for us to um, – temporarily at least to address the the new collaborative with uh new orleans because it is fair to say um you know i spent 40 years in, in this business and i thought looking at it today on the outside looking in the complexity 
uh, from 40 years ago, it seems to be almost tenfold uh, as it relates to all of the, the factors that, that are having to be handled. As much as they are alike, they're not alike. Agree? Disagree? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think there's a there's a, a, a great deal of difference in the nature of some of the criminal activity that we see. I mean, we see an enormous amount of criminal activity centered around the Internet, um, whether it's scams or it's exploitation of children, um, you know, pornography. All of these are crimes that I think, you know, 20 years ago we did not have the same degree of criminal activity. We didn't have the same degree of connectivity. You know, all of that has made the job very, very different. And I think that's one of the areas that I want to take a real hard look at um, to see how we can expand in ways that will support in our investigations division, for example, to be able to support law enforcement around the state. I'm curious, I, I had a conversation the other day, um, just, you know, coffee table talk, and we were talking about the, the juvenile crime crisis, and, and I said then, and I would say to you this morning, that I think your office could play an incredibly important role in in having truly a juvenile system within the state of Louisiana, because it seems to me that we're anything but a system. I happened to read an article from... Um, the Minneapolis Star Tribune just this morning, where they're they're having some of the same considerations there because juveniles are committing more serious crimes. They don't know what to do with it. The system's not set up to address it. And it seems as though a number of states, very similar to our experience here, they're at a loss. They're not sure which path to take. Well, you know, it's true. And when you look at some of the crimes that they're committing, these are violent crimes, they are, you know, very, very serious crimes. And but for the, the, the difference of a few months, many, many times, that individual would be prosecuted as an adult in the adult system. And we do have a, you know, category of crimes that where you can move the juvenile to the adult system and prosecute them as an adult. Um, I think that, you know, we've got to look at making that system a little bit easier to move people and to prosecute and to hold them in facilities where they aren't going to be a danger to other juveniles or staff in that system. Because we do have a number of younger children in the system. Um, Those children may may be eligible or subject to rehabilitation, but when you put them in a facility with 16 and 17 year olds who have committed extremely violent crimes, you are far less likely to be able to reach those younger ones. And you've made it more dangerous for everybody. No doubt. I applaud the office for uh, deciding to prosecute those that uh, perpetrated the carjacking on D.A. Jason Williams as adults. Mm -hmm. I think it's necessary. I do, too. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Again, congratulations on your recent election to Attorney General and look forward to talking to you in the near future. Well, thanks for having me. It's always good to be with you, Neil. Thank you, ma'am. Liz Merrill, Louisiana Attorney General-elect, folks, will be right back. Give us a shout, 504-260-1870 on the Oakland Heart Jewelers talk and text line. This is Newell with WWL. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Well, we all know what happened on Saturday. Weather stations around the city of New Orleans reported three to five inches of rain with some areas more than an inch per hour. We know the measurements that the system is able to handle, and obviously we were facing a challenge with a number of other issues. And here to talk about is Kassan Corbin, Director, Sewage and Waterboard. Kassan, welcome to the show. I'm here. Good morning. Okay. Yeah, good morning. How are you? Last time you and I talked, we talked about uh, Turbine 5 being offline uh, for repairs and wasn't expected to return to service until uh, mid-December or so. There was some concern about it. Obviously, those concerns came true on Saturday. They certainly uh, did. And, Noor, I'd like to share a quick uh, statement I made to the board of directors during our meeting on November 17th, and that was a few days before you and I talked, and it said T5 is out of service. Luckily, T4, which has been down, is back online now. And I described that as a typical situation for the next year, year and a half, until the power complex is commissioned. I've been describing our situation of power like this for probably the last couple of years. And that's why we have been so uh, intent, uh, intentional and systematic about, uh, you know, staying the course with building the new power complex, which is tracking extremely well, and it's uh, on track to be commissioned in 2025. I mean, this is, in, in the large scheme of things, is as imminent as any project can be in terms of what it's going to bring to the reliability and, and the, the ability to power all the equipment that we need to power during an event. So it was a very unfortunate occurrence where T4, which is one of the two major turbines, uh, tripped offline and in the middle of uh, the, the rain, uh, which obviously caused some issues in terms of water backing up. And until we were able to switch power to other available sources, um, there was a delay in, in some of the pumping throughout the city. Yeah, I mean, I would just, if you would, remind the listening audience, uh, and every time I read this, that Turbine 4 is actually over 100 years old? 
Is that it's, true? It uh, dates back to 1918, um, and T5 is 1958. Actually, 1915 for Turbine 4. Um, I mean, no, none of us were around, even maybe our parents were not even around when that was commissioned. And T5, which is a gas, natural gas turbine, uh, came on board in 1958. Both very fragile systems and uh, susceptible to breaking down. We have been investing in those, you know, sadly to just keep them going uh, until we have a more reliable power. It's just, you know, throwing good money after bad, but I don't think we have a choice but to keep those, um, you know, operational because they do provide us with a much needed power uh, during any event uh, named or otherwise, like the one we just had on Saturday, five inches of rain, very intense rain. That would probably would have caused some issues for us, but obviously it was exasperated by the fact that we had a delay or a lull in actual pumping. A lot of folks are asking why um, we still face the challenge of not having generator backup, if you could explain. Of course. So this is a te- an old technology. Uh, the the actual uh, uh, pumps that we have in the old city. The you know the. I mean that that's what I've I've learned. I've learned to call it the old city, which is you know uptown, mid city, uh, Broadmoor, and what have you. They rely that the actual technology of the pumps are all technology which is 25 hertz. There's no generators that are made today that could produce that uh, that power. So short of having a, um, a generator that produces 60 megawatt with it with a frequency changer, there's really no way to create that that uh, redundancy. Uh, having said that, we do have uh, we did have five. Uh, turbines that would generate 25 hertz, two unfortunately have been uh, struggling and then have not been operational. So we have three of those, each as two and a half megawatts of power. But those are very fragile and very finicky as well. And I would call them less than reliable. We were able to turn those three on to substitute for the loss of T4. Uh, and we were able to obviously continue pumping. But generally speaking, this is not a situation where we can just go and buy to, uh, generators to allow us to do, you know, substitute for lost power. <clears throat> Even Entergy reached out over the weekend and they said that is the thing we can do. I said just the only thing you can do is make sure that you have crews on, uh, you know, on, on call uh, in case you have a power outage so you can respond because some of the power sources, for our equipment, we're, we're energy, and we were running those that power through old frequency changers that allow us to uh, drive many of the pumps uh, on Saturday. I know it's very complicated, not very easy to follow, but we have multiple configurations and multiple sources of power that we use. Uh, some are hard to run in parallel, but that's why we say typically we have more power than we need. But when you have both turbines, major turbines down, uh, it's a very 
unfortunate and bad situation, very challenging. And the the good thing um, today is that we T5 is anticipated to come back online, hopefully within about 10 days. We are literally building parts in our <clears throat> machine shop because there's no no parts to be found. <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, elsewhere, we're actually machining with you know uh, the required position precision to be able to re- replace those parts so we can uh, put it back online. And you know, uh, fingers crossed, we'll have that back within ten days, and then we'll be in a you know obviously better shape, having one of the two turbines uh, available for the next event. Gassan, do y'all outsource any of the machine shop work? Uh, necessary in order to uh, achieve a quicker response and turnaround on on repairing some we, of these pumps. We certainly do. We we rely on a lot of expertise, whether it's GE or Siemens or I mean, there's a lot of help out there. Uh, and then they, they, we we outsource much much of the replacement. In this case, uh, there were no available. Um, I guess. Uh, companies that were able to do what we're doing in-house. Thankfully, we have the skill and the talent in-house to be able to to do that. I don't think anybody could do it any faster. It just it's a time-consuming uh, process, and it has to be you know done with care and precision. So um, you know the machine runs well. So if there is a way for us to expedite and take it elsewhere, we would. And uh, like I said, we do that often. In this case, it just was not uh, feasible, and we took that role, and we're we're in the process of uh, bringing it back. Uh, like I said, within within ten days or so. We got to get to a break. We're visiting with Kassan Corbin, Director of Sewage and Water Board. We'll be right back, folks. Stay with us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friend at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseballs and boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back, folks. We're visiting with Kassan Corbin, the director of the Sewage and Water Board, talking about the heavy rains that hit the New Orleans area on Saturday and the flooding that occurred. Um, there were some observations, Gassan, made by some members of the council about um, 
cleaning catch basins and that they had set aside roughly $10 million to do so and that the Department of Public Works, not your department, um, had not uh, embarked upon that initiative. How important is that to your overall operation system? Well, I think it's very important for the entire system to work uh, in unison. And obviously, it starts with the catch basins. The water has to be allowed to go into the system to be uh, to be pumped out. And, you know, we all recognize that has, that has been a fairly critical and, you know, I would say the Achilles, part of the Achilles heel for the process. I know I, when I drew, started driving around early morning on Saturday, uh, you know, there was one street that had lots of water, the next street didn't, and that typically um, an indication that it's a it's a basin or a a small pipe issue where pop, uh, water is not able to uh, enter the system. If when you see a, a city in a, in a, a neighborhood wide. Uh, water standing that typically may could be uh, and likely is a pumping issue where we're not keeping up so it could be intensity it could be we don't have enough pumps to pump but when you have these localized streets that have uh, standing water that's typically a catch basin issue and I know DPW has taken uh, recognized that and uh, the importance of it but in terms of lack of execution I unfortunately cannot speak to it and I'm sure some of the council that, members are speaking those answers. Wouldn't that be another um, thing that, you know, uh, activity that would be easy to outsource? I mean, I, I, I get that DPW is stressed to the max. They have this human capital problem that everyone else has. And uh, But when you think about the importance, I just look at my street. We have flat drains. They're flat to the street, mm -hmm. right? They're not in the curb. Yeah. And those – and it was an attempt to try and eliminate the impact of leaves. Well, you know, you know as well as I, leaves find a way. They're almost like a beaver. They find a way to dam up the water <laughs> mm -hmm. with or without mm -hmm. human intervention, right? I mean, it, it just yeah. happens. The moment you move the leaves, you know, the water's out of the street. I mean, and, right. and, it, and it occurred to me that in the beginning of the storm, it's absolutely critical and more important than any other part of the storm uh, in, in removing some of that early dropped water off the streets, but they immediately are clogged up, and right. there's no movement. Right. And then you get the phenomenon that you talked about, one block's flooded, one street over, no water. Right. Uh, I mean, you're spot on, and, you know, my understanding is that this work is is meant to be outsourced, and it's it's supposed to be contracted out. Because I don't think DPW has the crews or the equipment to right. do cleaning in a, in a very systematic way. And I, I had uh, suggested and recommended to, um, you know, anybody that, you know, was in, in a place of power to make a decision that we need a cyclical maintenance program for our catch basins, meaning we touch every catch basin at least once every five years. In some instances, the vulnerable ones that are susceptible to being clogged once every two years. And that puts you in a place where you're proactively maintaining the system and allowing water to uh, go down. Sweeping, obviously, is, is a key uh, step, getting all the debris so water doesn't force those leaves and debris 
would would flow water wanna flow and then uh, damming up the catch basins naturally after some rain. And you know, people also can help themselves a little bit by sure. maybe. And I know this is maybe asking too much, but some people. No, it's can not asking much at all. I mean, I, I do breaking, it. Everybody. The catch basin. Yeah. Almost everyone on our street does it. They go out there, they sweep up the leaves, and we don't have half the trees that they have in in some areas of the city. But mm-hmm. it's it's a pride thing, and it's taking ownership, and they recognize that it's a challenge, and not you can't get there every other week, depending on how much wind you had the week before the storm and other things, that all influence right. um, that situation. It just whether we get the power plant on or not, this will continue to be a, the challenge, right? I mean, new power oh, is not going to resolve this. So no, absolutely not. Uh, it just seems we, a, a legitimate observation that we don't have all hands on deck on that, and we need to have all hands on deck. Yes, and ultimately my hope is uh, through um, mutual agreement that we take on the responsibility of that smaller part of the uh, drainage system, meaning from the catch basin to the obviously the drains that lead to the, the, the storm sewers and the storm sewers all the way to the pumps, with uh, adequate funding uh, that allow us to do this proactively. Just, you know, I mean, I had a model, you know, in my previous uh, capacity in Milwaukee where we had a a five-year cycle. And again, it works. A lot of cities do it. Uh, Sweeping, again, is is a key part of that to get the the leaves and debris away out of the street so it doesn't flow into the catch basin. So that is a good way to manage this and get ahead of it, but obviously that needs some funding and you know a, a an intentional system that is managed by a uh, agency and is accountable for that responsibility. Uh, I know Saturday was a tough day for you, you guys. We really appreciate you coming on and. Pro- providing some of the backstory uh, to this, and hopefully we're able to get both of these turbines back up and running in the very uh, near future. Thank you so much, Noel, for having me. All righty, folks. 504-260-1870. That's Ghassan Corbin, the director of the Sewage and Water Board. We will be right back after the break. Stay with us. Welcome back, folks. When we come back after the top of the news break, we'll visit with Rafael Goyeneche, president of the Metropolitan Crime Commission. We'll talk about the proposed NOPD drone program, the mayor's trip to Dubai, and the comparison of felony arrest and weapons arrest numbers by month in the year 2022 versus the year of 2023. Got a lot of texts coming in about catch basins. Catch basins in Venetian Isles haven't been cleaned since Katrina. Neighbors cleaned mud off the streets after Ida because Public Works didn't show up to help. These issues are going to go on whether or not we get power or not. They have to be dealt with. Maybe we should spend more time in Broadmoor and less time overseas. Just a thought. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See t-mobile.com.